Okay, amazing. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Oh, you're a very attractive looking bunch. It is so good to have you. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. It's true. Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say you're very attractive. Hmm. I just noticed that no one said it to me, but whatever. <laughs> This is amazing. It is so good to have you in the house today, Elam Christian Center. Welcome, whether you call this place home or you've just walked in today, we still pray that you feel like it's home for you as well. Very first day of the year, I know Dusty asked earlier who made it to midnight. That's cool. We made it to midnight. I was all about it because I make it to midnight every night and Darcy didn't want to. In fact, we were hanging out with a group of people last night and I was trying for about an hour to convince everyone to jump in the pool on the strike of midnight. And I used all my best negotiation skills, but I couldn't do it. They all copped out. And then I found out that after we left, they hopped in the pool. That's ridiculous. And so if that was you, if you're in this room, be ashamed of yourself. You've, you've robbed me of a great memory that I tried so hard to work. Now, whether you like or care for New Year's resolutions at all or not, there's one thing I'm pretty sure of. And that it's, I would say, pretty much all of us have thought about them, at least today or yesterday. Some of you have set some. Some of you have thought about maybe thinking about it later. And others have thought about how it peace you are having not set a single one. You can't fail if you don't make goals, right? As easy as that. Some of you have tried to set New Year's resolutions in the past only to fail and think, I'm not going to bother with that again. I find the ticking over of the new year quite a weird and mysterious thing. Because if I'm to be honest, I'm the very first person to criticize New Year's resolutions. I'm that guy. I'm the guy that's like, what's the point? Don't waste your time. Like, there's no difference. First of January is no different from the 27th of December or the 4th of March. Like, it's just another day. Like, why even bother? What's so special about this day? I kind of get worked up sometimes. I'm like, people all sitting there, New Year's resolutions. Like, there's nothing stopping people having made goals in the past and, and sticking to them. So why does this day make a difference? I would like to consider myself more mentally aware and attuned than to get sucked into the hype of new year, new me, right? Um, I've even preached messages about it, about the whole new year, new me. I'm like, no, it's a new year. It's just the same you. And unless you change something, you're just going to see the same thing. It's like, I've preached that. I most definitely sit in that camp. And at the same time, I've got to be honest, despite those thoughts, as I near the ticking over of a new year, I get this overwhelming sense of excitement for the turning of a page, for a fresh start or a clean slate. There's almost like this weird phenomenon, the sense that as the year ticks over, so do our connections with our problems, so do our bad habits, so do our toxic mindsets, and it seems absolutely outrageous, and mentally it doesn't make sense to me, and yet there I am every year getting this fresh sense of things are going to be different, things are going to change, it's the turning of a page. It's like fresh hope for the life we desire has popped its little head up again as we look upon a new year, but the question is how long will the hope stay up? And will it actually be up long enough to have an impact on our life? Well, interestingly enough, I'm glad you asked, there is a psychological phenomenon called the fresh start effect. This is a real thing. And according to the fresh start effect, it says people are more likely to take action towards a goal after temporal landmarks that represent new beginnings. I want to read you a short snippet from that study. It says most of us have ways we'd like to improve, things like exercising more, eating healthier, or putting away more money aside for savings. We also remember times in our past 
when we've failed at those goals. Psychologists studying the fresh start effect show that it works because highlighting meaningful occasions creates a clean slate for people to make better decisions. Temporal landmarks that signify a new time period, a fresh start, help us leave our missteps in the past and create an untarnished feeling for our present and future selves. This feeling opens the path for people to initiate goal-oriented aspirational behaviors. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, researchers Adam Alter and Hal Hirschfield showed that when approaching a new decade of chronological age, right? So if you are 29, 39, 49, 59, you're about to head into a new decade of age, uh, those people are more likely to examine themselves and their lives for meaning. And as a result of that reflection, they're much more likely to engage in meaning-seeking behaviors, otherwise known as a midlife crisis, right? As you end, and I've done it, as I entered into my 30s, it was like this new excitement. 30s are going to be the best decade of my year. I, I declared, and at the same time, I'm like, I'll never be in my 20s again. Like, it felt like a real crossing over of the line. You know, among 500 first-time marathon runners, those in the final years of a particular decade, so those who were 29, 39, 49, were overrepresented by 48% compared to other age groups that ended in a different digit. Now, as fascinating as all of this is, it's just human psychology that's layered on top of a really important biblical truth. The only problem is that we've reduced it right down and we underestimate the power of it to being just a handful of key moments, key birthdays, New Year's, or the changing of a decade. But let Lamentations 3 verse 22 to 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning. I'm so glad that we don't need to wait for a specific time to come and get forgiveness and grace and intimacy with God. Like each and every morning for each and every one of us, we can come to God and His mercy is fresh every day. What is mercy? Mercy is God withholding from us what we actually deserve. We actually deserve punishment. We actually deserve to be separated from God, but he doesn't allow that to happen. Instead, he extends mercy and he welcomes us in. Grace is him giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding from us what we do. So they often work together. So God in his mercy is fresh for us each and every day, but coupled with human psychology, it means New Year's Day is a very, very special opportunity to actually get some things into motion. There's like, the reminder of God's goodness, we get that every day, His mercy is fresh every day. And at the same time, there's this new sense of a fresh start with us that comes with New Year's Day. But as you ponder your goals and resolutions, uh, whether you have them yet or not, uh, we're going to get to that in a moment. I, I think it's vital that you set goals for your year. Um, it would be really valuable for us to consider where we've gone wrong in the past. Because if you're anything like me, uh, you can start really strong. And as the weeks go on, it dwindles pretty quickly into something non-existent. The other day, I walked up to a large bookcase in our house. Um, it's Darcy's bookcase because she's the intellect. And I walked up to this bookcase and I went to grab a particular book off the shelf. I knew what one it was. And as I grabbed and I reached for the book, I pulled it off the shelf and I had a little chuckle to myself. I was like, oh, here we go again. This is the old annual Frosty's going to be a reader this coming year moment for me. And I don't know if that was just like an internal voice, the devil or Darcy yelling out from the other room. But despite the negativity, I took that book off the shelf. And I'm four pages in. Thank you very much. That was a week ago. I'm not going to finish. Like, But I, I laughed because honestly, for about the last five years in a row, I found myself at a bookcase as New Year's ticks over. Like, you know what? I'm a reader. Leaders are readers. Like, I, I convince myself of all this great stuff. And I need to read more. And it's true, I do need to read more. But it's like, all of a sudden, some of the, the weight 
comes off, the responsibilities, you're on a bit of a Christmas break and you feel like you've got time and breathing space, I'm going to read. That's great. And so there I am. Um, I want to encourage you to set goals this year, but to take advantage of two very, very powerful realities. The first one is that God has fresh mercy for you today. I know you've come in today maybe feeling a, a bit of a, a fresh sense of a whole new year. I certainly have. And, but you still may be carrying the weight of your mistakes, of any shame, of any sin in your life. God has mercy and grace for you today, and He's calling more out of you. Your family, your workplace, our community need a stronger, healthier, more on fire for Jesus version of you. We need that. God has mercy for you today to go after that. That's the first powerful reality that we need to respond to. And the second one is that there are only a couple of moments in the entire year where psychologically it's go time, where where you just get the strong sense of a fresh start, of, of hope for the future, of carving out the life that you want. And so we can combine these two things and actually take advantage of them. Actually harness the fact that God has mercy for me every day. This is a fresh start and a brand new year. So I'm going to harness this and I'm going to do something about it. You've taken a moment maybe to step back and glance over the bigger picture of your life. See, the goal is not to somehow whip out some flawless performance that you've never even come close to in the past. This is the error that we make. We, we look at all our mistakes, all of our errors, all the areas we'd like to improve, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to be amazing at that this year. And we expect this flawless performance. See, ambition is good, but ambition should be appropriately placed, right? Ambition needs to be placed at an appropriate level for each of us, not comparing it to the person next to us. You think about how dangling a carrot in front of a donkey works so well, right? Like the carrot just dangles there and the donkey goes after it and he strives to reach it. If the carrot was like 100 meters away, the donkey would probably be like, yeah, I can't be bothered with that. That's a bit far away. And besides, I'm not even sure I could get it in the first place. But when a farmer dangles a carrot, they have like a stick and a string and the carrot sort of just dangles in front of the donkey right there. I hate to ruin how the movie ends, but the donkey never gets the carrot. He never actually reaches it. And at the same time, he's motivated and he's productive. He helps to pull a plow or he helps to plow the land and he has a huge impact on the mission of the farmer. It's not about reaching the goal anywhere near as much as it's about allowing that goal to motivate you to progress and to make improvements. You might not set, reach every goal that you set. It's okay. I'm not saying just set crazy goals and don't worry about reaching them. We should go after them. But sometimes 90% of achieving a goal is far better than giving up because you felt like you couldn't reach 100% of it. We all know what it feels like to approach a new year, a new decade, or a milestone birthday. There's something about the starting of a brand new season. It's kind of like a line is drawn in the sand that you and I felt like we couldn't draw ourselves. Have you ever felt like at some point I'll change? At some point I'll initiate a different habit. At some point I'll, I'll change my direction, but I'm not sure when and I'll wait for things to be aligned and it never really happens. Something like New Year's Day, it draws the line in the sand for us. It pushes us over it and then we either make the most of it or we don't. And I don't want to go around the same Ferris wheel of empty, hopeful claims again. I don't want to just be sit back in the same place that I find myself every single year, back at the bookshelf, going, this year's different. I don't want to just find myself with the same disappointments year after year. I don't want to declare what I'm hopeful for. I want to stand firm in what I'm committing to. And there's a huge difference, right? Declaring what I'm hopeful for is really just sharing the desires of our heart, and that's okay. But declaring what I'm committing to, which is really what New Year's is all about, is understanding that there's a part that I play in this game and I'm taking it seriously. Did you know that by the end of this year, every single person in this room, you could have read the entire Bible. 
And it's actually not even a whole lot of reading if you break it into small little chunks throughout the days. You could lose weight, reduce your cholesterol, and be living a much healthier life. You might, by the end of this year, have a much closer and more intimate relationship with your spouse. You might find yourself a spouse. You might save up for a holiday or reach some other financial goal. You could be someone that knows Jesus more intimately than you do today. You could. The, 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 the control of that actually rests in your hands today. Your goals are for you and your family and what God is calling out of you. They aren't to play some unhealthy comparison game with the people you're sitting next to or that family that you said hi to on the way into church. Our goal should always be about growth and not glory. And man, I've been victim of this. Like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but no one actually cares about your goals and your ambitions as much as you do. That's okay. Maybe your spouse does, but the wider community that turns don't care about it as much as we do. We can't speak for what others are going to do, what they should do, what they might do, what they could do. But we can speak for us and our family. I can speak for me and my family. You can speak for you and your family. And as for me and my family in 2023, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to prioritize Him over other things. You know, I'm feeling really stirred this year to believe for great strides forward for us as a church, that each one of us would grow in our spiritual maturity and also in our leadership. I see many people stepping up to lead small groups, to lead teams at church on a Sunday, even just to lead yourself better in your family and your workplace. I'm believing for beautiful, organic, and authentic community to be woven together even stronger than it is now. And that was one of the motivating factors of us moving to having the one service, that we might have a greater sense of connectedness with one another. There's many who haven't been connected in to a life-giving biblical community this year, and we're going to see them come through our doors. And we're going to get to welcome them in, and they're going to be a part of what we're doing. And there's those of you sitting in the room right now, or maybe listening on the podcast, who would say, I've really struggled to make friends. You know, I genuinely believe in my heart that this year is your year. This year is your year to have 20 seconds of bravery to walk across the room, to introduce yourself, to turn up to something, and to make friends that actually bring life to your journey. Those who have been a bit wary about getting involved and turning up to things, 2023 is your year to trust God as you jump all the way in. But your goals are your own. I, I can't tell you what they're going to be. You need to own them. You need to decide on them. You need to actually commit to them and walk them out. But for the minutes that we've got left, I want to suggest just a couple of key ones. And look, it's relatively black and white. And it's black and white because usually the key things in our life remain the key things in our life year after year, right? But I want to suggest some things that if you would consider adopting into your own life would put you in good stead for a fruitful year in 2023. Um, Joshua 24 verse 15 B, the second part of that, I love this. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. And then he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's declared in advance what his life and what his family are going to look like. The first one I want you to consider very strongly uh, this morning is be in the house. Right, be in the house. By that, I mean be in church. And I don't want to spend too much time on this one and harp on about turning up to church because clearly I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are the one that are actually sitting here on New Year's Day. That's phenomenal. I honor you for that. So I don't spend too much time on this, but I really need you to grasp the incomparable value of prioritizing and committing to being in God's house. The world we live in is very shaky. You know that. It's unsettled and it's a bit volatile and it can be really tough out there. Gathering together with other believers is God's antidote to the weariness that comes with the weight of the world. You can't help it when you're out there. There's weariness, there's heaviness, there's bad news, there's all sorts going on. But when we gather as believers, it's iron sharpens iron. We're encouraged, our faith is stirred. It's so significant. But I know how life goes. You're really busy. That's like the generation we live in. Like life is really busy for everyone. I get that. But if you're too busy to be in God's house, you're just too busy. 
full stop. Let me tell you why being in God's house pretty much every Sunday is going to be game-changing for you in 2023. Firstly, it's the way that God breathes upon the words that we share in our sermons. Your life has never been changed by a well-crafted couple of sentences. There might be a phrase that you're like, oh, that sits quite well. I might write that down in my little notebook or type it into my phone, but that's never actually changed your life. It's how God breathes upon those words to speak right to what you're facing. The amount of people that after like a Sunday have come up to me and said, oh, great message. I love how you said this. I'm like, I definitely didn't say that. But God said that to you through what I was saying. He's a living, alive, active God that uses the words to speak to us. In fact, in the book of Romans, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something so powerful about coming and sitting under the teaching of the word. When we come to worship as a group, man, I love that we started our year with powerful praise and worship this morning and so thankful for our team. It ignites our faith and it draws us closer to God. It creates a moment of intimacy. You know, there's been times, if I'm to be honest, over the last couple of years, I've turned up on a Sunday feeling weary feeling burdened, feeling tired, you know, like you, stuff goes on, life happens. And I, I've just been standing there on the front row trying to get my mind and my heart like prepared to preach in a couple of moments and just standing here with our church family worshiping loudly, man, it stirs my faith. It reminds me that actually it's not all on me. I'm going to get up, I'm going to say some things, God's going to do what God does and it's going to be phenomenal. Like He's phenomenal, not me. <laughs> um, it's so encouraging to be in that atmosphere and the environment. When we lift up the name of Jesus, we elevate the bigness of God over the weight of our challenges. You can't get that at home. You can worship God at home, absolutely, but there's nothing quite like worshiping God corporately with a body of believers. It's those accidental conversations that are game-changing. It's meeting someone new while you're waiting for your coffee. You know, you're awkwardly waiting and someone's standing next to you. You say, hey, what's your name? You find out a bit more about their story. You're sitting at the same cafe table as someone until you include them in your conversation. You connect with another parent while you're waiting to check your kids into the kids' programs. It's these accidental, unexpected conversations and interactions that can turn into the most beautiful friendships. In fact, that's how Darcy and I met in church, an unexpected interaction, and it got me a wife and I found a good thing. I'm not saying that will happen for you, but it's way more likely <laughs> it's the opportunity to be part of our dream team. We, we, we use the word dream team. Anyone that uses their life to serve God in any way that helps fulfill the vision that God has placed in front of us, to be a center of hope, to reach, serve, and influence our community, to actually use your gifts to make a difference in someone else's life. It is amazing how fulfilling it is to watch each other do their thing as we all work together to bring glory to God. It's so cool. In fact, studies show that there's a strong link between serving other people and your own personal happiness. Being part of something that's bigger than your own family is game-changing for your faith journey. There is nothing like the local church on the planet, and the enemy would love to have you believe otherwise. And I really wanted to include this one today. Again, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're literally sitting here right there like, tick, I'm doing it, you are doing it, keep doing it. It's really important because I know the power of habit in our lives. I want this year for each of us to be a year of rhythm, a year where we find our stride. We're sure there's ups and downs. That's what happens in life. But we found a bit of a rhythm that prioritizes the things that matter most. You know, the other day I got this really cool opportunity to um, drop a young man home uh, after we'd been hanging out for a bit. We caught up, we had a conversation, it was really cool, and then I was dropping this young guy home, and we were driving along, and he was telling me how he was super blessed because he got a PlayStation for his birthday. Like, he was pumped about it, but he'd gotten it early, and he was waiting for a particular day when he was allowed to open it. Now, that day was that day, but we met on a Friday. The only problem is 
Fridays when Oxygen Youth is on. And this young man would usually attend Oxygen Youth, but it's the day he's allowed to open his PlayStation. And so he had this tension, right, like figuring out what he should do. Should he go to Oxygen Youth? Should he finally get to open his gift? And I understand the tension for a young man. Like, like a new PlayStation's mean. Like, that's exciting, right? Like, you've been waiting for this, and you finally... I understand that. Now, I've had conversations like this with young people hundreds of times. Used to be a youth pastor. I'm used to it. I knew that our drive only had a couple of minutes left and that my response would be important. I just felt so strongly in that moment, God speak to me very strongly and just say, encourage him to make Fridays a non-negotiable. And I remember saying to him, bro, the PlayStation's going to be there tomorrow morning. I promise you, like it's not going anywhere. Why don't you head to Oxygen and then tomorrow morning, get up early, carve out the whole day, set it up, get yourself comfortable and just go for gold. It's going to be amazing. I said that the PlayStation's going to be there tomorrow, but what God might do in your life and in your faith tonight at Oxygen Youth, it might be something that you miss. And look, even if it, nothing noticeable happens that night, it's about building the habit to go no matter what. And I remember just encouraging this young guy to say, that's one of the greatest, wisest things you could do as a young man. He was connecting the dots of life, right, as we do when we're young, trying to figure out what's most important in life, and I knew I needed to speak into his life. The same goes for all of us, though. Don't be like, oh, that's, that's a lovely story of a young man. That's for all of us. Every one of us need to make sure that we're prioritizing the right things. And I don't mean let's go to get all religious and weird about it, and you can't go on holiday, and maybe you just had a massive week, and you're just like, I just need a good sleeping on a Sunday. Like, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying put your foot down and make a new year's commitment commitment, not just a resolution, not just a hopeful claim, I, I want to be in the house more, but a commitment to prioritize being in God's house with you and your family. And I just want to, for just a moment, I want to address the men in the room. You know, the Bible is really clear that men are to be the spiritual head of the family, the spiritual head of the household. And that doesn't mean that they're more important, not in any way. It just means that they hold a particular role as women hold other different roles. If you want to lead your family well in 2023, make sure you're leading them to church on Sundays. It's one of the greatest things you could do for your family. Think of King David as he wrote Psalm 69, where he declares a passion for God's house has consumed him. In fact, this is really cool because you know that moment in the Bible where Jesus has a bit of a moment and flips tables in the courts because they're sort of selling things, they're selling doves and they're exchanging things. He's like, this has gotten a bit weird. This is not how God's house is meant to be. It sort of deviated away from its main purpose as a house of prayer. And in that moment, the disciples that are watching Jesus flip the tables, in that story it says, and then they remembered what was written. And what they remember was Psalm 69 that King David wrote, where he says, a passion for God's house has consumed me. I want that for my life in 2023. I want that for your life in 2023, where a passion for God's house would consume us in a good way, in an exciting way. Because his promise is that if we build his house, he'll build ours. Isn't that phenomenal? Sometimes we think, well, God, you take care of your own house. Like, you're God, you do it. And I'll just worry about my own things and I don't need you to be involved. I'm just going to take care of myself and God, you do your thing. And every now and then they'll interlap you saying, now build my house, prioritize me. In fact, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. Psalm 84 verse 10 to verse 12 says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. You know, the, the message version of this, I love it. It says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand on Greek island beaches. Think of all those people at the beach right now. They lose. <laughs> One day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else I could be. And I'm, you, it's not an invite to move in. Like, just come on Sundays. But he says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. 
For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Come on, 2023, let's be in the house. And secondly, let's be in the word. Let's be in the word. And by that, I mean scripture. I mean the Bible. Of all the things that seem to crop their head up and divide Christians, there's one thing I've observed that is consistent among all of us. Pretty much all of us would say, I need to read the Bible more, right? Like most Christians would say, man, I wish I had more time to read the Bible. I wish I prioritized scripture more. I get it. I'm there as well. Whether I'm speaking to people here at church or I'm even speaking to other pastors, the sentiment's exactly the same. There is an acknowledgement of the Bible's power and it's very clear. It is fundamental that every Christian is meditating on the Word of God. To not just read the Bible, but allow the Bible to read us. To engage with it, reflect, ponder, memorize, and allow these beautiful words to take root in the soil of our heart. You know, every New Year's, i got to be honest, every New Year's Eve, I'm like, next year, I'm going to read more of the Bible. And it sounds like a silly one to keep finding yourself all the way back, but I hope I never stop making that resolution. I hope every year I don't lose that sense of excitement to get into the Word more because I know that it's life-changing, and I want to encourage you to do the same. But the problem with typical New Year's resolutions is that they often leave no room for error. We need to eliminate this idea of a perfect commitment and be okay with just going for a strong one. See, this whole perfect commitment is where the journey is built on this idea of flawlessness. It's like the moment you mess up or the moment you miss a day, the 100% record is gone and it loses its shine. 100% targets are usually about performance rather than progress. You know, we say, you know what? This is my year, 2023. Let's go. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read the Bible every single day. I'm going to read just a, a small bit of scripture every day, 365 days for the year. And it sounds amazing until you miss a day. Now you're like, well, now it's impossible. I could read the Bible every other day from here on out. But that shine or that boast moment about being able to say, I read the Bible every single day this year, it's gone. It's, it's impossible. And we think, well, no one really cares if I read the Bible 361 days out of 365. But don't do it for status. Do it for you. It's not about boasting. It's not about a post on Instagram. It's about your growth and development. 361 days, for example, out of 365 is a whole lot better than maybe the small amount that some of us find ourselves reading the Word. Here's a few key tips in our final moments together, um, really practical, that I think will help you set up a good Bible reading plan uh, for the year ahead. First one, make a plan. Like, actually make a plan. Don't just sit there and go, hmm. That's good. I'll make a plan. Get a pen, get a piece of paper, do it digitally if that works for you. Actually write down what you're going to do. Actually make this thing real. We can hope for it all we like. That's what a resolution is. I, I hope, I guess you're committing to being resolute in it, but New Year's is about making commitments, not just resolutions. Actually write it down. There's amazing Bible reading plans that you can download for free from the Version app. They've got every version under the sun, every language, cool little graphics if that's what you're after. They've got everything there. There's also an amazing thing that uh, we've done in the past called the Bible Recap. Has anyone... Because I know a bunch of people joined us on that. You guys know about the Bible Recap? It's this amazing Bible reading plan where there's like an eight-minute um, podcast. So like nice and short. That, that's a good length as far as I'm concerned. Eight-minute podcast. And there's also a small passage of Scripture that you can read uh, in alignment with that. Or you can even have it read to you in a voice that sounds like JP. Like it sounds like God speaking to you. It's brilliant. And you can pick all sorts of different voices. I'm not, it's not a paid advertisement. Like, but it's amazing. Little eight-minute podcast, small passage of scripture that you can read or have read to you. And not only do you read the whole Bible in a year, but you get these really extra cool insights along the way. 
I love this quote. Maybe you've heard it. It says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Not making a plan is you making a plan to not really make any progress here. So important that we actually put pen to paper and come up with something. And and don't come out all guns blazing. Be real with your situation. If you've never really read the Bible in your life, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year is probably a bit unrealistic. Start with something small. I'm going to read the New Testament through the course of the whole year. Or once a month, I'm going to read one book of the Bible. There's 66 in there. Set yourself a goal. Write it down and make it really clear. I love that the other day, and and we celebrated it, there were a bunch of young men that finished reading the New Testament. They had a time frame. They had, um, I think, three months to read the New Testament, and they did it. Like, a bunch of them did it. I think that's amazing to see young men do that. If they can do it, we can do it, right? They had a goal. They had a time frame. There would have been some days, no doubt, they read a whole bunch, and other days they read absolutely nothing. That's okay. Reading a small bit every day is certainly more helpful, but you've just got to be real with you. Some days it ain't just going to happen. Don't beat yourself up over it, but just keep on going. You know, I've noticed, and you may have noticed as well, that there's an increasingly more Bible illiterate generation being developed, but I refuse to accept that that's our future. The people of Elam Christian Center are called to be immersed in the Word. It's not just an old ancient book. It's God's heart for us on paper. He speaks to us. It's alive. It's living. And I just really want to encourage you and challenge you this morning on the very first day of the year. Get into the Word. I love this in Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm in, in the whole Bible. From verse 105. It says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Well, you've, you've got to know what they are to obey them, right? I've suffered much, O oh Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offering in praise and teach me your regulations. My life can, constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps before me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I will determine to keep your decrees to the very end. Come on, in 2023, let's not just hope for it. Let's make a plan. Write it plainly so that you know what you're going after, and let's get it. I know you want to. I know you're sitting there going, I would actually quite like to get to the end of the year having read more of the Bible. So I say let's do it together. If you want to join me, um, I I can't speak for Darcy. She'll probably do it with me. I I don't know, but I am. I'm going to do the Bible recap again starting today. I haven't done it yet. Sunday mornings were hectic, but this afternoon I'm going to start on day one of the year, and I'm going to do it every day. When I miss days, I'm just going to catch up and keep on going. The Bible recap, Google it, ask me, let's do it together. It's going to be a really cool journey. And the second thing, so we're going to make a plan, and the second and final thing is to be accountable. I know some of you sitting here going, oh man, I've heard all this before, but it's so important that we do this. If we're really going to do this and be successful, let's do it with other people. Let's do it together. Accountability is like self-imposed positive peer pressure. Right? It's saying to a friend, hey, this is what I'd like to achieve, but I recognize that I might get distracted on my own. You have permission to call me out, to correct me, and would you please encourage me along the way? You're inviting someone into your life to help you on the journey. And it's a whole lot easier if that person's on the same journey as you as well. Like someone who's doing the same Bible reading plan so you can journey that together. See, accountability is powerful because innately within us, we all understand the importance of being a person of our word. Right? We all hate the idea of saying one thing and not delivering, on saying one thing and doing something else. And so what we can do is we use this moral drive to propel us towards our goals. Make a promise to your friend that you're going to see the commitment through and then draw on the strength and encouragement that they give to help you get there. Another thing is complete a Bible reading plan, but have checkpoints along the way. This is really helpful. So what that might look like is it might be like you're just going to do a Bible reading plan with a couple of friends or with your small group or whatever. Hey, every Sunday night, 
10-minute phone call. We're just going to chat about the one main thing that stuck out to us. Just the one main thing from our reading that week, 10 minutes. We both share. It's going to be really cool to check in. Or it might be like, hey, once a month, let's grab coffee and just sit down and catch up and talk about the things that God's been showing us over the month of reading the Bible. Because you know when you get there, you don't want to sit there and be like, I didn't read it. Right, And the other person's like, man, I came to have this discussion. It, it keeps you on track because you're responsible to another person as well. Maybe some of our small groups in 2023 might set some Bible reading um, goals to help keep each other accountable um, to get through that. There's another really cool quote. I love a good quote, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Let's not come out of the starting blocks today with a hiss and a roar. Like, I'm going to read seven books of the Bible every day and... And then you just wither off really quickly. Slow, steady, consistent, sure. Let's make sure of it, but let's do it together. Be in the house and be in the word. word. Uh, ben, you can join me. Um, I just want to finish by saying this. Um, Darcy and I, on the very first day of this year, just want to say how much of a joy and an honor it is to be your pastors. It's still pretty phenomenal for me to just stand here, even as I look out among the faces that are here. So many of you have enriched our lives so much. You carry so much wisdom. Many of you have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Um, I learned so much from so many of you. And so it's really crazy um, for someone who's 34 but looks 15 to stand up here and to be entrusted. Like it's really humbling that God would entrust us to lead you all, to speak life over you, to spiritually teach and protect such a beautiful community of people that will only get bigger in 2023. I gotta be really honest with you though, I care far less for the size of our church than I do the size of the people in it. And, and I'm not talking about the gains you made because you ate too much Christmas ham, right? <laughs> we just so desperately wanna see you grow and mature. We wanna see ourselves grow in number, sure, but we need to grow deeper. We need to dig a new well. We need to connect with God for ourselves and get into the Word, get into the house and find ourselves more in love with Jesus, serving people better at the end of the year than we are at the start. We want to see you come alive in Christ, to dig deeper into the Word and to allow what you read in the Word to transform the way that you live your life. We desire to see all of us step forward into the things of God in 2023. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue to work hard to create space to hear from God, to bring sermons that will encourage, train, and equip you. We'll work with all the amazing team leaders, volunteers, staff members that we have across our church to create space, environments, programs, and events for you to encounter God and to connect with one another. We'll assist with all of that. That's fine. But the real transformation comes because you decided to make this year a different one. We can't work, walk your journey for you. We want to assist, we want to encourage, we want to create space for you. It's part of our role and our commitment to you. But this year won't look a whole lot different unless you make that decision and you actually put some legs to it and walk it out. You know, we pray that in 2023, you'd become a bigger person, bigger in spirit that allows you to persevere and, persevere and stay resilient through really hard times. There might be some hard times ahead of us, but God is with you in the midst of them. Bigness and faith that allows you to believe for miracles, to share the gospel, and to see the hand of God in your own life. Bigness and love for those around you. Not just those who agree with you, not just those that see things the way that you see them, but this profound increase of grace and love for the broken humanity that surrounds us. I want to honor each and every one of you for being in the house today. And that's genuinely not a dig at those that aren't here. Like, 
I'm glad that they're away having a holiday, being blessed, enjoying the sun, whatever they're doing. That's great. But for those that were in town, I honor you for making it a priority to be in God's house this morning. The first day, day of a really exciting and fruitful year for you. You've already got one up on those backsliders, so well done. I can't speak for you in your household. Only you can do that. I can speak for me and mine, and as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord in 2023, and I really hope that you would join us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. It's not just the grace of God, but it's that psychological phenomenon, which is the fresh start effect, that we're more likely to feel new, to commit to new things, to go after the desires of our heart, to believe for the future that we have in front of us when we have the ticking over of a new year. So we've got the grace and the calling and the mercy of God that's fresh every day. And we've got this thing going on in our bodies and our brains. What a perfect opportunity to take advantage, to step into 2023 with great faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things not yet seen. You may not have seen it yet, but it's coming. And you can approach the throne room of grace with great confidence today.